0: health chats. I'm Claire Davis and I'm here to bring you better emotional fitness. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe. If you're listening on podcast, please follow. This series is on trauma and PTSD and we're here to help managers in organisations to help their teams with regards to better mental health. Positive mental health. So it's all about spotting the signs, having those conversations, and bringing positive mental health into the workplace. Today, my guest is Jennifer Kindera. Hello, Jennifer. How are you? Hi, Claire.
1: I'm happy to be here. I'm good.
0: And I'm so pleased you're here. And unfortunately, Jennifer's um, got a technical problem with her camera today, so we won't see her. But we've got her lovely logo. Today. So thank you for that, Jennifer. And Jennifer's going to be talking about shame and trauma. So first of all, the viewers out there may have noticed an accent. Whereabouts you call?
1: I am calling from Spring, Texas. Um, hmm. Born and raised in the Midwest, and then moved here about uh, eight years ago. So yeah. maybe a little Midwestern, don't you know, and mixed with a little Southern.
0: <laughs> Lovely. A bit of a mixture, like I have apparently. <laughs> To the English, I sound Australian, and to the Australians, I sound English, which is quite... Jennifer, would you like to tell everybody what you do?
1: Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, So I am a certified trauma recovery coach. I'm a supervisor. uh, So I teach and work with students, and I'm also a certified healing shame practitioner from the Center for Healing Shame, um, among other certifications. So I work primarily with people who have had developmental trauma and have toxic, pervasive shame as a result, Mm -hmm. and along with addictions, codependency, and I offer a lot of narcissistic support.
0: Wow, that sounds really, really interesting. And I'm intrigued by your words, a healing shame practitioner. Can we go back to that? What
1: does that actually mean? Oh, I'd love to. Um, So You know, shame and trauma go hand in hand. Shame is a social construct emotion. So what that means is we must be accepted by our tribe, our community, our family to survive. You know, we can't go out at the age of five and get a job, put a roof over our head and food on the table. So as a child growing up in any type of abuse, so physical, emotional, sexual, emotional neglect, we learn very quickly that we can't put the onus of responsibility for the abuse back on our caregivers. So we turn it inward. So that inward self-abandoning is what causes us to blame ourselves, to try to be more perfect, do it better, be better, you know, to stop the abuse and the subsequent pain. We then try harder and harder to be worthy of that love from our caregivers that is so elusive in a dysfunctional home wow. so shame rises up to keep us small and silent it's that protector it keeps my mouth shut when abuse is happening so it won't trigger more abuse you know over time when developmental trauma is consistent and chronic toxic shame gets internalized and then it stays with us to become part of our identity so Long story short, right? Person suffering from toxic pervasive shame will experience a chronic sense of unworthiness, low self-esteem, self-loathing. This is all connected to that belief that I am bad. And the proof is that because they were treated that way, it must be their fault. It takes all those negative beliefs about ourselves and creates our identity from that space.
0: Wow, you've just got my mind trying to absorb all of that because there's a lot of information. I
1: know, I know.
0: And, and I'm going to re-watch this so that I can really comprehend. But you know, that word shame, you know, if you looked it up in the dictionary and compared it to what you how you help people mm-hmm. in situations, can you can you define
1: shame in your world for us, please? Absolutely. You know, so there's several um, definitions of shame that resonate for me. Um, So one of them is that shame is a combination of a primary emotion plus an intellectual freeze state. So it's intrinsically tied to the nervous system and it has a freeze response out of, I'm sure you've heard of the, the four F's like Pete Walker talks about in his amazing book, complex PTSD from surviving to thriving, you know, yeah. so flight, fawn, or freeze, um, you know, and that definition comes from the Lions rubin method out of the Center for Healing Shame. Um, the next one that, and because this is such a complex, mysterious, universal emotion, you know, there's lots of different ways to frame it for clients, for for laypersons, for whoever, Um, Gershwin Kaufman wrote a really beautiful book. And one of his definitions is shame is the breaking of the interpersonal bridge. So we know that the interpersonal bridge is the communication we have with other people. And when that interpersonal communication stops, when there's a rupture, shame rises up in the other person right? So we always want to do that repair for that rupture. And nowadays, I'll just throw this in there. Nowadays, what we see a lot is um, you can, it can be as simple as you're having a conversation with someone and they pick up their cell phone and they look at their cell phone while you're talking. That's a breaking of the interpersonal bridge. And what that causes then is for us, especially with developmental trauma and toxic pervasive shame to break our intra- personal bridge. So how we communicate with ourselves. Wow. So then the next one that I align with is, you know, shame is being seen in a way you don't want to be seen, yep. the unbearable exposure of parts of self that one doesn't like. And that's Francis Um Another one is shame is the sudden interruption of pleasure. That's mm-hmm. Sylvan Tompkins. And then Brene Brown, who I love her research, um, and she kind of brought this more mainstream for people to be able to understand, you know, because shame begets shame. You know, we can have the emotion of shame rise up. We can have a reaction to shame. We can be shamed. We can shame others. There's so many different facets to this complicated emotion. Um, But she, her, her definition that came out of her research is shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing we are flawed and therefore unworthy of acceptance and belonging. Wow. So in essence, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: I love Brene Brown's work and yeah. um, that word unworthy mm. um, with regards to traumas, What the little that I know, anyone who has been through trauma has really lost their self-worth
1: yes and
0: that goes hand
1: in hand with shame then is that correct yeah remember what i said earlier the 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 self-loathing the self-worth the who i am my identity there's this shame lens in front of how i see the world and myself all the time and people don't we don't even you know when i work with someone they don't even realize that it's there, that it's playing out in their adult life. You know, I can give you an example. So um, have you ever had that friend who constantly beats themselves up who says, well, what do you expect from me, right? So this is a subconscious attempt, so we can't control it. It's subconscious, those neural pathways were mapped at a really young age. And it's an attempt to side with their abuser. That's part of the self abandonment piece to not show resistance of their opinion of me. And it's that uncomfortable comfort zone. So it's familiar, but they may not like it. You know, inside they're going, God, you're just beating a, you know what, out of yourself again. And their friend is going, no, you're totally wonderful. Why would you say that? And they can't even answer that question. You know, so in essence, what we're doing that moment is inoculating ourselves against further external shaming. You know, it's easier for a person to shame themselves versus being shamed by someone else. So if I say, yeah, 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 I already beat myself up for that. You don't have to say anything. Then maybe we get out of that external place because all of our shame reactions are to get us out of shame. We don't want to feel it. It's so painful to feel it.
0: Yeah. And your term, the shame lens Mm -hmm. is so, so powerful because um if people haven't been through traumas they wouldn't couldn't even comprehend feeling Mm -hmm. it's like a lens that you can't actually break through
1: right right so what i do with clients and with students as well is to help them untangle those threads of shame that have interwoven throughout their lives you know it's Mm these shame rises up and becomes toxic because it's going to protect us for a lot of us with developmental trauma it saved our lives at a time when because shame keeps us small and silent so if you're in a in a dysfunctional home where there's physical abuse and someone is coming after you you know what Mm -hmm. would happen if the child said well you can't do that to me yeah it would be worse, right? So it literally saves our lives. It's that much of a protector. But shame's agenda is just that. to keep us safe. It, the agenda doesn't care that it doesn't feel good.
0: Well, there's so many questions I'd like to ask you.
1: <laughs>
0: so many questions. And one thing that's going through my head, you know, shame is a protector. Is there actually healthy shame?
1: Yes, absolutely. There is healthy shame. And that's the thing, you know, a lot of my clients will, when, when we start working gently, of course, very, very gently in the shame arena. And, and, you know, we go back and forth between shame and trauma. Um, you know, they talk about getting rid of shame and I will say, well, because it's an emotion and emotions are physiological and they live in the body, we can't get rid of shame. Right. So, What happens though, what we can work on is to transform that toxic pervasive shame into healthy shame.
0: Mm.
1: So, you know, yeah, shame informs us, healthy shame informs us of an internal state of inadequacy, unworthiness, disconnection, regret, even dishonor. You know, everyone has healthy, normal shame it's one of the core emotions human beings experience and because it's emotion and not a feeling and therefore in the body has that physiological component you know we can be unaware of its value though and that's that protector piece so we're born with that like i mentioned before born with that biological need for survival so there's fear underneath shame that if i'm a liability if i'm not an asset to my group Or if I've done something bad and somebody sees it, my inner child, you know, fears for my safety as I cannot take care of myself. So the main reason we have the emotion of shame is to protect us from being shunned by those we need to care for us and keep us safe. So in our adult lives, it keeps us safe by not wanting us to try, keeps us from putting ourselves out there. It can manifest as, oh my gosh, so many things, perfectionism, imposter syndrome, self-sabotage. That's just to name a few. And we can also have a very, very loud, loud, harsh inner critic. So absolutely, yes, there is a, such a thing as healthy shame. You know, um, we get to work to transform that toxic pervasive shame into healthy shame, which often, um, you know, cause I get this question all the time and I'm just gonna say this quick and then I'll pipe down. Um, but often people are like, well, they mix up shame and guilt. And Brene has this definition, you know, um, that the, the, the guilt is I did something bad and shame is I am bad. And while that is true, you know, the physiological and feeling component of shame that's been with us almost since birth, this is, this is in there, right, when we come into this world. You know, and then whenever there's an attachment rupture, that cognition of I am bad is not fully formed yet. But that feeling, that emotion of badness is already there. And so the biggest difference between shame and guilt is that guilt is a secondary emotion and much less powerful than the primary emotion of shame. So, you know, we often will label guilt or we do label guilt as healthy shame in the shame world, you know, because it can be a motivator for change and acceptance of our limitations. You know, I make mistakes and that's okay. Other people make mistakes and that's okay too. You know, it's a level playing field, right? So it's really, really profound when working with someone, when all of a sudden, you know, they say, okay, because I do a a lot, a lot, a lot of counter-shaming and working with them on on pulling back those strands for them to be able to see past that lens of their shame and for them to say, oh, wait a minute. You know what? That wasn't my fault. I blamed myself for this. It's so beautiful, Claire. It's just stunning.
0: I can only imagine. It just sounds like such powerful work that you do. And uh, I love your reference to the inner voice what is the inner voice telling you and with regards to shame it could tell you the negative side of shame but it could also tell you the healthy side of shame and you're right. there to help people get to the healthy side of shame which is fantastic
1: well and one thing too i would point out you know that inner critic voice is most often harsh and unrelenting especially with trauma from childhood um so i i reframe that a lot with clients. And, you know, so that is what your inner critic is saying that you're not good enough to do this. But what would your kind inner coach say instead? And that can give them a whole spin on that. And it can be as simple as, well, my kind inner coach would say, you know what, it's okay that you made a mistake. Let's clean up the mess and see what we want to do to shift this next time. Oh, absolutely
0: amazing. And I'm Mm -hmm. going to re-watch, re-listen, re-watch, re-listen to this because there's so much information you've given me. And when I decided to do the topic on trauma and PTSD, I hadn't even heard of that aspect of Mm -hmm. shame with regards to trauma. Uh, And it's such an interesting side of trauma. And it's something that if we have anybody in our life In the workplace, outside of the workplace, who has been through traumas, this actually helps it all make sense.
1: Yeah, it puts the pieces together and helps us to to what's happening. And we can make meaning of it then. And that's what we're trying to do.
0: It's fantastic. Your work is brilliant. So there's probably a lot of people out there who are watching or listening who are thinking, where can I get in touch with Jennifer? How can I find Jennifer? So Jennifer, how can people find you? Where can they find you?
1: Oh, and I would love that. I'd love to connect with listeners. Um, So I have a website. It's jenniferkendera.com. I'm on media. I write for Medium and publish on there. Um, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, you know, so find me at any one of those platforms and reach out. I'd be, I would love to talk with you.
0: And thank you so much for your interesting words um it's really opened up a whole new world to me on trauma and ptsd thank you jennifer
1: you are more than welcome claire thank you
0: okay take care you too we hope you enjoyed the chat if you found any of the tips useful follow mental health chats Thank you.